Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode number 96 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. It's nearly Christmas, if you celebrate it that is, and well, it's nearly the end of December if you don't. But either way, end of December is shutting the door on 2020. I'm sure that's something we're all looking forward to, wouldn't you say? And this week, like the last few, I'm going to mention our Patreon page where you can support the podcast. It's really quite important to us. And if you are able, you can support us from as little as £3 a month. You can find our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash Ministry of Arts or go to the bio of our Instagram page and you can follow a link there. As I say, for the price of a cup of coffee per month, it really could help us out. But back to this week's episode. Several weeks ago, I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down for an hour with artist, printmaker, plate painter extraordinaire, Miss Eliza Hopewell. I first saw Eliza's work maybe two years ago. In a very short time, she's become quite well known for her loosely drawn painted portraits and using regular dinner plates as her canvas. Her subject is often, but not exclusively, the female form. And like the work of Sarah Maple, Eliza's portraits had the amazing ability to make the viewer smile on first sight. And the beauty of the humour in these paintings is, is the fact that by the time the viewers realise what they're smiling at, Eliza has forced from you an opinion. Because you're either smiling at the subject or the subject matter. It's genius in its simplicity. Because the paint she uses is translucent and you don't have to be that close to see that there's a strong message below that humorous veneer. More often than not, feminism, racism or social injustice. And speaking of injustice, that's pretty much what I'm giving Eliza's work. Because she can tell you about it a whole lot better than me. Because of social distancing, this conversation was recorded over Zoom. So let me introduce you to Eliza Hopewell. Did you find that after your mum passed, did she, has she crept into your work yet? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was kind of the, the, the first thing I did really when she died, when she was in the hospital in that kind of week and, you know, it's horrible, like seeing someone dying, is, it's, it's kind of actually worse than them being dead in a way, because like, it's just so such a it doesn't make sense in your head so it was it was so tough and the thing that I really 
the only thing that I found, well, two things. One was running. I was like running every day for like miles and that really helped. And then also I was just painting tiles. Um, my mum loved tiles. She was like really big on tiles, like any, like, but especially like the Alhambra and like any kind of like Spanish Islamic tiles. She had a lot in the house. And so I was just painting these like little, and it felt so easy. because they were just like 15 by 15 centimeter tiles. And I just paint one there was no pressure to it and I painted about 100 of them just over that like week and then the weeks following um and yeah I just I sort of carried on really just painting it just felt like something that it was a distraction and it was a way to like process the grief without kind of having to be too intense about it or having to like work out what it meant um but yeah, you're literally think... processing the grief at your own pace, aren't you? you yeah. Know? When you yeah. when you're doing it like that, yeah, it's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. Yeah, totally. I f it was yeah, just I don't know. It felt like really natural to do it at the time, and I've still got these tiles. I've not done anything with them yet, but I'm I'm not sure. But I want to make them into something, like put them on something. But um, yeah, she's in my work a lot. I mean, at one point I was painting, trying to paint a lot of photos of her like paint pictures of her and that didn't end up going but she's been in my work a lot she had um cancer for nine years before she died so and she had terminal cancer for six years so all through uni and everything I we knew she was going to die but we didn't know when and I, I that also was part of my artwork a lot I made like films of her and yeah there was a lot she was in all my artwork really yeah, yeah. The, my, my partner's dad he he died two years ago just gone mm. um and he had he got diagnosed and then he got given three months right and although cancer you know it's a fucking horrible disease but mm. it does give you time to mm. yeah you, you know my nan died walking down the street yeah and she was gone yeah it, yeah, yeah. it does give you that little bit of time to sort things yes. out and yeah 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 is is, is you know, a, a huge length of time, but it, it does give you a little time to get things in order and say goodbye, doesn't it, you know? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think that, I think there's a, I don't know, I mean, there's no good amount of time before someone dies. No. But yeah, I, you know, it's good. My mum sorted out all her money and everything and all of that stuff, so it wasn't, none of that was difficult. And um, But six years was really weird because... It wasn't like she was given six years. She was given a year, six years before she died. I so love then, to hear those stories. I know. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, it was amazing. And yeah, she kind of. I don't know where she got her like strength from, but she would like get really sick and look like she was going to die, and then just bounce back and go back to work. I mean, honestly, yeah. she worked up until about three months before she died. Excellent. Amazing. But um, but it it was it was difficult because you know, like if you know someone's going to die and. A couple of weeks you're like you can get really intense but you can be like I love you and like have all those really difficult conversations but over six years you kind of have to try and live normally but also try and kind of have the best moments you can yeah. with it's on, you're on a different level of, of life aren't you really yeah yeah and it, it's kind of you get quite like stuck in a way I think for me after a few years it was really like difficult to process because it was like well you're gonna die but you're not dead yet and I'm also you know young and like I'm trying to work out I'm living at home with my mum but should I move out because I'm like 23 and I want to move out or should I stay with my mum because I don't know she could die in half a year it was it's there was a lot of kind of difficult decisions so in a way when she did die there was a, a sense of relief to some extent you know because of this like just ongoing illness and just never knowing when it was gonna end have was, you had family yeah. members pass before like close family members no not close ones because no. i found with my partner's dad that, that knowing that it was going to happen mm. it it softened the blow when it happened anyway mm. you know it was mm. just part of mm. the process mm. when he sort of jumped on the train of you know you knew that destination yes. was coming yeah, you know, it yeah. Make it a lot easier, and and almost we, we've even said that the, the way that my uh, like that her dad passed, it was almost a perfect way to go. You know, full of family and. Mm, um, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think 
because then my grandpa, who was my mum's dad, who I was really close to as well, he died like two months after my mum, which also was terrible, but it felt really different as a deaf, because he was 90, do you know what I mean? And yeah. like, he had had this incredibly active life. And even up until like a, a month before, he was like, he would he, he was an artist and he would like get things from skips, like big bits of wood and like <laughs> carry them home. Like honestly, Brilliant. he'd be Brilliant. like going down the road. Like, Excellent. Um, and then he literally just went into hospital with sepsemia. And it's amazing because apparently, and we just didn't, you know, it was it was within about an hour that he died and he wasn't really sick leading up to that much. And um, the nurse was like, all right, um, what's your name, you know, doing her thing? And he was like, oh, my name's John Hopewell. And um, then she was like, okay, I just need to run a few things. And he was like, can I have a hot chocolate? And she was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and she turned around to make him a hot chocolate. And when she turned back, he died. Oh, fuck. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, that is my last request, please. <laughs> <laughs> the last the last one was a hot chocolate. So good. So and I'm couldn't John even Hopewell, wait for so it. Hot chocolate. <laughs> Man, it's good. I like that. I have I mean, I, I think we should talk about art. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have seven questions that I ask each artist. Okay. And the first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? Um, I would say, I think that this is a hard question for me, actually, because, well, I would say, you know, I started a business painting on plates um, and it's become more than a business. It's become a practice, but it still has elements of being a business. Um, but, yeah, I suppose I would say that I make... Um, kind of artwork about people that are paintings of people mostly women um that are kind of set within a kind of world where these women are, are free and can do whatever they want how did the plates come about to be your canvas um well <clears throat> yeah it's kind of Basically, just because I needed money. <laughs> and I was just, you know, I, I hadn't painted for the whole of when I was at art school. I was making films. I wasn't interested in being a painter. Um, but, you know, I came out of art school and I thought, right, I don't think I want to. I tried to work in film a little bit, but it didn't quite fit. And then I was working at a gallery as an invigilator. And I just thought, and I think a lot of artists do this. They're like, maybe I could start a craft business, you yeah. know. And I just thought, what what could I do? Um, and someone told me that if you draw on like just a dinner plate with a Sharpie and bake it, it will stay, which I tried and it's not true. <laughs> it's not <laughs> And it looks shit. <laughs> but after that, I was like, I, you know, there's something in this. Um, so I was just experimenting and then I bought some paints where you can just paint onto um, porcelain and um, it almost the business kind of happened before I decided like people I, I was like drawing them and kind of like showing them to people and then people started being like oh can I buy one and I was like yeah sure what do you want on it and they'd be like oh can you do me with my cat and I'd be like all right do yeah. it and then it was like suddenly I had like 10 people lining up being like, can you do me one? Can you do me one? And I thought, oh yeah, I guess I could just make this a thing. Yeah. And then it progressed so fast because really early on, some like it was like a friend of mine's ex-girlfriend's mum's friend, something, worked for Vogue and was Laura Bailey, who's one of the, she's like an um, editor at Vogue. And she put, me in Vogue really really early on and then it was just like you know nice yeah which was amazing but it almost it was like I I was playing catch-up the whole time do you know what I mean like I always had like a backlog of like 30 plates that I had to make even from the beginning and you know I'd been making them for about a year I was still charging about 30 quid to paint like a commission plate that would take me like 15 hours, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my God, I've made it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
and not making any money really. Um, but yeah, eventually I kind of had to give up my job at the gallery because I was like, I just had so much on. And yeah, yeah to be honest, it, it had a life of its own as like a business. And it wasn't until a couple of years in, that I was like, had to be like, right, I'm not doing commissions anymore. Everyone stop asking me to do them. I need to take a second and be like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. it has just happened, yeah. you know? Um, and at that point I was like, because it had just been commissions mostly up until that point. And I was like, actually doing commissions day in, day out, it really takes it out of you. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm a creative person. I want to make what I want to make. So for the last kind of year and a half, I've pretty much just been doing what I want. Um, you still do commissions? Um, not really. I do. What I'd now do is I'll take on commissions that aren't on plates because I cannot, I must've made, I worked it out about a year ago. I think I made between 600 and 700 commissions. Wow. And it was like one a day for about two years. And it was Shit. like, yeah, yeah. I used was to you work. On your own like, as well? Did you have help with you? Or? Um, at one point I employed someone, but it kind of didn't really work because I mean, it just, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's quite difficult to get someone to do a painting like you want them. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. so, um, so yeah, I was, I was, I was mostly on my own, and for yeah, most of that time, I was working like from my bedroom, seven days a week. You know, just smashing them out. Yeah. Um. So now I just, I've just, I sort of drove myself into an absolute to the to the edge of sanity yeah. with like making I mean, so you many said of that by being featured in Vogue your profile just shut up mm. how was that for you mentally because we all go at our own pace and we have a sort of mm. distant destination and all of a sudden you get fast forwarded down yeah. the track and then you're in a you're in a world what you don't really know you're trying to catch up with yourself aren't you you know yeah yeah um I mean yeah it was quite like intense but I think I quite like that you know especially as suddenly you know, all these people were following me on Instagram and listening to what I was saying. And I love attention, you know what I mean? Who <laughs> <laughs> doesn't love attention, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, and um, especially like it, w the thing that I really enjoyed about that and still enjoy is talking about politics and being able to kind of, yeah, um, weave in how I feel about things politically and into my practice um, and like humour as well and like dancing videos and stuff yeah. like all of that stuff is well yeah. funnily enough I that's when I first saw you it was a couple of years ago mm. and I don't know how it come about but you was in I presume your studio mm. on a ladder that shouldn't have even been in there because it was enormous <laughs> it was like maybe a I don't know maybe an 18 foot ladder on a <laughs> yeah, ladder, yeah. which was meant to climb up somewhere that was like 10 feet high <laughs> and he was dancing on it to what was the fucking uptown top ranking, I think it was. And he was he was dancing, and I'm like, any sec that ladder's gonna go, she's gonna like really hurt herself. And uh, yeah, yeah, then I went through, and then you, it turns out it wasn't the first time you'd done it. No, no, yeah, that ladder was. Um, I know, I don't know how that ladder never fell, but it never did. <laughs> yeah, I used, to, I used to work on building sites like, as a hod carrier. Going up oh, and, really? and I was like, fucking hell, there's so much of an angle, she's going to kill herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring, that's, I think that's the first time I've brought health and safety into a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, when was your first interest in art? Oh, I was always really interested in art. My grandpa was a, was a well, he wasn't, at, well, he was an artist, but he was an architect when he was, um, has a job, but then he was a painter when he retired and but he loved art and he went to life drawing every week and and he mostly looked after me him and my granny when me and my brother were little um and so I was just I, I just wanted to draw all the time it was just very natural to me and I just used to spend hours my grandpa had like a studio in his house and I just wanted to be there all the time I would just go in there and be like he would just give me, I used to do these things called metre girls where my grandpa would measure me out like a metre of paper and then I'd do like a metre long girl on it and then I'd be like, next one, there are so many of them. But yeah, I mean, from the age of, and I would draw all over the walls in my house and my parents would be like, oh my God, please. I would like write Eliza and they'd be like, 
was this you? I was like, no, it's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> it weren't me. It was not me. See, I feel I always feel quite envious when I speak to artists who say that art has always been in their life because I never even looked at it until I was like 27, 28. Really? It never, it wasn't a thing for me at all. And no. then all of a sudden, like you were saying, how things propelled for you, I went from knowing no, no artists whatsoever mm. to knowing all these fucking YBAs within yeah. a, a few years, you know, a few months rather. That must have been weird. Did that give you a kind of weird perspective on the art world? Because that's not most people's experience. When I was talking to artists, Eliza, I didn't know their position in the art world. Yeah. Because I, yeah. do you know my story? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I didn't know. I knew that they was all in this exhibition called Sensation, which was on yeah. at the time. Mm. And I knew that they was all, because it was... A sensation and it was sort of on the news in the papers I knew they was part of this big machine that was you know mm. running through the media but I didn't know on what rung of the ladder each of these artists were that were writing mm. today. Mm. and I, I knew um obviously Damien Hurst because he was Damien Hurst and the same yeah. with Tracy Emin and Marcus Harvey because of the Myra Hindley painting that he'd done mm -hmm. that's the only yeah. three that I knew yeah and all the other artists that was writing to me I had no idea until they started sending me all this stuff in. Yeah. And I'm reading it. I'm going, fucking hell, these are sort of like, some Actual of these are like the equivalent, more or less the equivalent of sort of like Elton John, you know? Yeah, pop stars. Girl. Yeah, literally. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was quite strange. Yeah, it must have been weird because, and I suppose, I think that this happens sometimes. It's like if you, your naivety can carry you through. If you like, if you know, because really like, nobody who had like been to art school and like you know in been like into art and known about art since they were young would have the guts to like write to these artists because they'd be like they why would I do that nobody's yeah. ever going to write to me do you know what I mean because well, they're so that now when when I speak to like people who are doing podcasts or uh, curators mm. putting on exhibitions and they're going oh I'd love to have I don't know Gavin Turk in my yeah. show I said well fucking awesome. email him and yeah. go, oh, no, I couldn't. And I go, well, he won't be in your fucking chat. You know, you yeah. won't have any chance. You, yeah. Best off asking. Yeah, 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 and yeah. It was quite, it was quite bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it must have been. Which piece that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection? Well, I mean, yeah, I think these tiles that I made after my mum died, of that course. I was talking about. Was hoping you were going to Yeah, they really have something because you know some of them I painted literally within like two hours of my mum dying and Beautiful. yeah they've really they've got something so pure do you know what I mean like there's no overthinking at all yeah in them they're just very very pure um images and that's something I think that I personally have always strove to get in my artwork but it's, it's a really hard thing um to not you know tell yourself don't overthink don't overthink yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't but that some there's something in those tiles that's like really um the way I see artworks and I've always seen it is like it's a it's a meeting point for the artist and the viewer you know and this is like the thing between them yeah. for it's like speaking you know it's like explaining something about how you feel or what you think and then it's for somebody else to view it and um I think that getting a really pure like channel of that connection between an artist and an audience member or just even as an artist because you can't really control what anyone else feels but just being able to really definitely exactly perfectly put in an image what you mean yeah um that's the best form of art for me, you know, and I think that's what those tiles do. Well, the, the, the tiles, it sounds to me like the images that are on them have come directly from your heart down yeah. your arm, you know. Normally, we would, as, as artists, you'd, you'd think about the composition and what you're going to put in it, yeah. work with the colours, but when you're doing something like that from the heart, it's almost yeah. as if your mind has nothing to do with it, you know, and, yeah. and whatever comes out, comes out. And yeah. the beauty that... I feel in these tolls, even though I've not even seen them, mm. is that 
you don't quite understand what they are yet. It, yeah. It's as, yeah. If, it's as if it's your mum who's sort of yeah. getting you to yeah draw you know and, and paint it's, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. it's beautiful and and I, I'd love to know the moment when you sort of realize what it is that you've put on them tiles it could be tomorrow it could be in five years time couldn't it you know yeah yeah and yeah it totally to make sense and it is, it's amazing how you can look back at artworks that you just you know at the time sat down and went oh, I'm just gonna draw this hat or something you know and then you look at and you're like what the fuck it's like you feel like some kind of it's like you, I don't know it's really weird you feel like you've time traveled or something and you're exactly. like or it's like yeah just bizarre I did a um painting of like a self-portrait when my mum was sick when she because she had cancer in her her breast her liver and her brain and when it spread to her brain I did this painting and it was like self-portrait and then when I looked back on it it was like I've got one hand on a breast, one hand on a liver, and then there's like an egg above the head that's oh, cracking. Brilliant. And I brilliant. didn't know why I was doing it. I didn't know what. And then I'm like, it's, yeah, weird, weird. Excellent. I love yeah. it when that happens. I really, yeah. really love it. I've not experienced it too much myself, but I have looked back on artworks a, a year, you know, a, a time later and gone, fucking hell, that's what it meant. That's yeah. you know, I've done this without, and I knew at the time that I wasn't quite sure what I'd done. Yeah, and it, I had to sort of catch up with myself, you know. And yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Think it was brilliant when that happens. Yeah, yeah. And I think so too. On the flip side to that, sometimes I, you know, I may finish an artwork and go, "Oh, I've nailed that," and then I'd look mm. at it a while later and go, "Oh, that's that's not hit the mark at all." Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that happens whatsoever. to me all the time. <laughs> you said earlier that you you. Um, paint with ceramic paints I mean one of my questions was that I wrote down because I, I didn't I didn't look at um, the materials that you use I mm. didn't know whether they were glazes of mm. paints or, mm. or what have you have you tried the glazes or is that not a route you want to go down well no I'm now I've literally the other day just ordered for the first time some glazes but I don't know any I've never done a ceramics course or like you know most people I speak to think I like throw the plates and paint the glaze on and whatever I honestly I've never even seen a kiln I don't know what I don't know what it's all it's, about it's either going to be a realm that you wish you never stepped into or yeah. wish you'd done it from the start it's going to exactly. be one of those two things yeah yeah I mean I've never really been like a materials person I'm too impatient I'm yeah. like not a process person I just want the thing to be there um, and I want to get it the quickest way possible but um I am now, I've got a, a good friend who's a ceramicist and she's been talking me through the things I need to buy and how I should do it and everything. So, um, because I'm making these tiled tables with my boyfriend and I want to... I've seen um, those. Yeah, nice. which I'm really into and enjoying. It's a nice, um, like, way to escape the plates, you know, and kind of do something. And it's, it's really nice working with someone else, actually. I've never yeah. really done it before. Nice. Um but yeah, so I'm planning on doing some actual proper glazed and fired tiles yeah. for those um, and see how that looks. And I also want to make some tiles like for my house as well, um, um, like tile bathroom floor and stuff, just see what, see what happens. But yeah, I do use these kind of like porcelain paints, but they're quite limiting. Um, yeah, I mean, after working... Yeah, that's, with I, I think that's a good thing. When, when you've got mm. restraints, because you have to work yeah. within that restraint, it's just like you painting on that. It's like you painting on a plate. You can't paint outside mm. it. You have, you've got your perimeters to paint. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I quite definitely. like that. I when did I was well. in jail, I had like fuck all materials to work with. Mm. At one point, they took my paints and... Well, they took all my art materials off me, left me with an HB pencil. Why? Why did they take oh, it away they, from they you? They said I was being subversive. Oh, well, I mean, you should have told them, yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. I'm in jail. I'm an artist. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. I'm do, cut my fucking ear off. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, so they took all my materials off me. But then that just made my work even stronger just for that small period. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Once you have all your material, you know, the, there is no sort of end to the materials you can use. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be fun experimenting, that's for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, it'll be really fun. But yeah, I do agree. I I love having limitations. And the reason that I've carried on doing the plates for so long is 
it's such an exciting thing to have those perimeters. I have 10 inches, 10 diameter inches, and that's it. And like nothing, you know, um, and it means that you have to, yeah, I don't know. You have, you have to like create everything you've got in this like very small space, everything you want to say. Yeah. And I think that can train you to be quite um, clear as an artist, you know, when you haven't got like a whole fucking massive wall size canvas, you're like, right, well, there's no room for waffle, you know, <laughs> like yeah. got to say what I'm trying to say. And also there's something about, I think like psychologically, if you learn something sitting in a certain position, like if you learn something sitting at a table, then if you go and try and like, say you learn a poem, then if you go and try and repeat it, you're much more likely to remember it if you're sitting yeah. at a table than if you're like lying down on a bed or whatever, yeah. because it's like the way that your body's been and the environment that you've been in is like part of the learning process. It's like when I, when I look at your work and, and like even you like going through your Instagram page, everything's circular. I do think mm. to myself, how is she when it comes to painting on a corner? You know, if you do something square, it's like, I've never been to this angle before. Yeah, before. yeah, no, definitely. Like when I first started doing the tiles, it was, um, I had I really had to get used to it. It was, it really was weird. It felt like there was too much space, even if I was painting on yeah. a tile that was um, smaller, that was like 10 by 10 centimetres. Yeah. I still was like, it just felt like there were like bits of it that I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand. Excellent. Yeah, but no, That's I've got funny, a, bit, a bit more used to it now. But you, you, you know, the materials you use and what you paint on affects the way you make art so yeah. much, yeah. you know. And since I've started doing the tiles, I've kind of developed a completely different way of painting and drawing than yeah. I have done Brilliant. painting on the plates at all, which, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. So I, that's why I'm so excited to start using glazes and actually firing tiles, because I think painting with some with something that isn't paint painting with something that also then you're going to send it away and it's going to get fired and you don't know what the fuck it's going to look like it's going to yeah. be yeah it's going to be really exciting nice mm. well i like the idea the craft and fine art can ebb and flow and move about and cross over boundaries um i know a lot of people don't like craft going into fine art and vice versa mm. but I think it's, I mean, look at Sarah Maple's last exhibition, man. Yeah. I mean, that you walked into that. I don't know if you went to the show itself. I didn't go to the actual show, but no. When you but, walked yeah. in there, it was like everything, every different medium was in there, you know, in, mm. in a, a fucking sitcom. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, crossing over these boundaries, it, it just does so much, I think, for a, for an artist and, and, and for a viewer. Yeah, I think so too. And I have a real problem with people who don't like craft crossing into fine art because craft is art it's just not seen as fine art because it's always been something that working class people do and women do and that's not seen as you know good enough because the art world is elitist and I just yeah. think that's bollocks you know like what well, it's just a different medium of making yeah. and that's why like when I first started doing the plates it was why I was attracted to that medium because it's this you know, in the kind of 1800s, um, painting on plates was this like female, like, well, it was quite like a middle-class woman's thing to do, but it'd be yeah, like when the husbands yeah. went to work to give the middle-class women something to do while the servants were cleaning the house, they'd go to these like groups and, you know, paint their little blue plates or whatever. And um, as, you know, because of that, they're, when you when you go you know you see them in your nan's house like the queen's golden jubilee play yeah, yeah. and they look they're really kitsch they're not really like a respected art form they're seen as sort of bit stupid and like pretty and decorative and like they're very feminine um and i thought i found that really interesting and i really wanted to subvert those ideas you yeah. know and make people see something like a decorative plate painted by a woman as like a really valid art piece mm. i mean it's not as if picasso never you know painted on a, a ceramic plate is it you know he's, he done yeah, exactly. of, you know? yeah. Um, mm -hmm. i mean grace and perry's done um a lot over the last 20 years for bringing the craft into that realm and pushing it out yeah. i can't yeah. see i mean furniture like you're just saying um mm making put, putting your images into furniture i mean that's a completely different realm again and yeah. i can't see me personally i i, I couldn't give a, 
toss. It's like you said, art is art. Where it's placed yeah. and how it's put there, yeah, is, is a different thing for me. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't care yeah. at all. Have you found a certain plate that you like working on? Um, yeah, I mean, I always work on what, as in, you mean like type of actual the the, the you know, is it a one from a certain one you found from Debenhams that you like to work on, or, or an IKEA plate that that tends to sort of the guy yeah, no. works better for your yeah. Well, what I do, what I do is I buy these like hotel hotelware plates. They're called Athena, and I get them like in a box of thirty six. That's how I was able to work out how many commissions I've made Excellent. through like working out how many emails I got, but. I so I always get these boxes of 36 plates and I can't I think I've I can't even remember how many of those I must have ordered 500 different wow. times I, I don't even know yeah crazy so um yeah those that's kind of what I feel comfortable on and what I have felt comfortable on but I actually I've not painted on a plate for quite a while now um because I got some printed um, at a factory up in Stoke and they're all here now and that's been really nice to not have to like do everything myself. Is that the blue ones? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. saw those, they're cracking. Yeah, There's a little great. bit of Matisse really... I saw creeping in there. Of, like, Matisse is one of my favourites and I, I see that a lot in, in the loose yeah. figurative work. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Matisse I think is actually, I've got a Matisse tattoo on my back, can I see? Oh, go on. Can you see it? Yeah, yeah, superb. Yeah. Yeah, the dance. Um, I love Matisse. He's kind of, he was my first real great love and I still, you know. Um, oh, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah, I love him. Yeah, with Matisse, I think, well, I mean, he's obviously the most joyous um, work. Everything you're about to say I'm going to agree with. He's brilliant. <laughs> but the other thing I think about Matisse is, you know, he, I think he really respects women for that time of painting and when you look at like him and Picasso as contemporaries the way that Picasso paints women I mean which is incredibly interesting in itself but I think he paints how he sees them but Matisse to me really paints the woman he's yeah. not painting uh, any kind of like objectification or any kind of but you know, sexualization or it's almost as if Picasso paints with lust and Matisse paints with love, more or less, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I also, you know, Matisse, he was really um great friends with lots of women. Like I went to um the Matisse Chapel. Have you ever been there? Oh man, that's one place I'd love to go. Yeah, it... so it's oh, yeah, it's yeah. always been like my one place that I'm like I'm with you. I have to go there, like it's my art pilgrimage. And um, my boyfriend and I went to uh, sort of, it was like about three hours away from the chapel in the summer. And I was just like, we have to go there. We, we're fucking going. Was you able to go in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just like between, it was in like July. So it was like between the lockdown. So we were all, I mean, we had to wear masks, but it was honestly the most beautiful and mesmerizing Thing I'd ever seen and the story behind it's really interesting as well I don't know if you know about yeah. it but he well he had this model who he was really great friends with um I can't remember what her name was but she then even though you know he it was his last piece of work that he made before he died so he was really old she was really young but they were just best mates but she decided to become a nun um and I think he was really sad to see her go because she went off to you know some nunnery to be a nun but then she came back to Vance um, near Nice where he was living and she was like you know the nuns of whatever thing she was part of wanted to make a chapel and she was like will you design this chapel so they kind of designed it together you know she was like the person who brought him in and you know wanted and I think he had a lot of like battles with the Catholic yeah. church about like because the robes that he made for the priests to wear are like yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. I think the Catholic Church were like <coughs> absolutely fucking. Not. He was like absolutely fucking yes. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty cool, though, aren't they? They're, oh, they are amazing. The thing I regret is that I couldn't see a service because they wear them, you know, when they do the yeah. um, sermons, and you can just go in, you know, and experience that. And I, I would have loved to have done that, but it was really um, incredibly 
it didn't, it felt like it could have been for any religion. Yeah. It was just a place of worship, you know, and yes, there was like, there's Mary and Jesus and everything, but there was something really kind of open about it. Like you felt like anyone could have gone in there and felt close to whatever God, you know, and I'm not religious, but whatever version I have of spirituality, I, you know, I could just feel that there was this, it really held you that chapel. It's yeah. tiny, you know, it's yeah. tiny, but it was really, um, yeah, just it, it was so spiritual. Excellent. Yeah. Did you go to his show at, at the Tate about, maybe, I don't know what it was, four or five oh, years four ago? Four or five years ago, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man. I'll tell you what, the, the bit I loved, because I'd only ever seen all this in books, Eliza, you mm. know, where I've been away. Mm. But when, when I went up there and there was a massive, great big painting, like at the length of one of the walls, and I was like just working my way along it, and then all of a sudden... There's a fucking door cut in the in the canvas. Yeah. The door handle cut out of it, where it was so long for him in the studio, he just cut a hole in it for the back of the door. Fucking brilliant, brilliant it was. I thought it was amazing. There's there's not many artworks that I've just stopped and mm. like my, my jaw has dropped, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I find Matisse like that as well. Yeah, and that show was just I mean, it's incredible. And when you look at, you know, these pictures of him when he's old, like he's like what we're talking about, about it's just going straight from your heart down your arm. And he's just there's and no on a great picture. big stick as well, you know, going, you know, it's a wand like, even. Yeah. Or even like him doing the cutouts, like you see him with the scissors, it's just no hesitation whatsoever. Just like straight up, you know, he knows. And he's just not worried. Yeah. But I think, yeah, he also just has this real respect for life. And yeah. what he's trying to say to you is like, look at these, look at this beautiful life. Yeah. Isn't it fucking gorgeous? And I just, yeah, I love that. I find it really. It's because of, because of him and my love of Matisse, I love that sort of, that really loose, fluid flow of a, of a brush. Yeah, your, your work yourself, that's, you're saying about, we were just talking about the, the windows in the chapel. Um, the work that you create, that could easily go on the glass as well, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. At one point, I really wanted to make some stained glass. It's something I'm still really interested in, but um, you've got to have a bit of money to, you know, yeah. start, like, do a course or whatever. But it's definitely something that I would love to do. I feel, I'm just, I'm really interested in art in domestic settings, which is why, like, now I've got, I own a flat, which is insane. And it's, fucking amazing because I can paint on the walls yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. I can like do whatever I want I can put a stained glass window in my window like so have you and your boyfriend got similar taste in art I wouldn't say we have similar taste I think we both know what's good and like respect a very like wide range of art but we we're very different in what kind of in the way that we make art and he's very form and he loves kind of everything he makes, he's more of a sculptor, basically. Whereas I'm totally have no spatial awareness whatsoever in my <laughs> artwork. I, I cannot work on anything that's 3D, honestly. It yeah. has to be flat, like I just don't. Um, and I'm more figurative and he's, yeah. So we've definitely got, but I think our styles merge really well. And his, his dad died about four or five years ago and his dad was an artist as well. So we've got a really good artist and we've got all his dad's artwork nice. and that's all up. And then I've got my grandpa's and mine and Theo's and like... Fucking hell, is that the best best sort of artwork you can ever have on your wall? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's great. Because my, my partner, she's not into artwork. Uh, she's not into art at all. Mm. Um, and she just likes what she likes. And, oh, fucking hell, man, she'll, she'll buy something, bring it out and put it on the wall. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I can't. And, but likewise, you know, I'll make something that will have so much meaning. You yeah. know, it will mean so much to so many people. And she'll go, mm. oh, I'm not having that. Get really? The one I just got out of Argos back up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Fucking hell, man, it does my brain in. <laughs> but likewise, it's all it's for courses and it is yeah. all that taste. If, if it was all the same, it'd be a fucking boring world, wouldn't it? Exactly. And I actually, I love talking to people who aren't like into art or don't really like know much about art or anything because I'm like, you know, it's one thing putting on an exhibition and 
like most of the people that I know and operate within are also artists and it's kind of a bit like but surely if you if you're a really good artist and you're speaking to everyone not just people who know loads about artwork not just people who've been to art school but you know and the best artwork does best artwork everyone can get it you know yeah. and so you want to have that input for your work like I love asking like my brother he's like couldn't give less of a fuck about art he honestly is like you're so weird I can't he's like but I love being like what do you think about this you know because he'll be like oh it's like you know I think there's like, a bit too much blue in it <laughs> just things that artists would never say like. yeah but ain't that ain't that fucking beautiful I mean that's what yeah. that's one of the reasons I made this pod, podcast yeah because I want people who aren't into art yeah. to listen to art, to see art, to go and cross the threshold of a gallery because yeah. it absolutely without question changed my life yeah. 180 degrees. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and because people look, like, well, I'm from a council estate in, in East mm. London or in, in Essex mm. and you know, people don't go to galleries, you know, they've got no yeah. interest in art. It yeah. and, and I'd say to people like record covers, you know, that's that's the art that most people know. Mm. You know? And they don't think of that as an artwork. They think of that just as something to a, a company, a record, record, you know, a voice like mine, I don't think no. I've heard enough in the art. <laughs> and, and, no. and, oh, yeah. I think it's, um, yeah. yeah. And, and like you say, you, your work has got a lot of humour in it. Mm. And mm. humour humour isn't seen enough in the art world I don't think no. again we spoke about Sarah Maple earlier it's interesting because humour is the great equaliser isn't it humour oh, is the thing kidding. that you know you can you can go into a room where you've got you know so, like people of just all different backgrounds all different like classes races whatever but if someone can make a joke it will just complete, everyone can understand it. It's just completely equalizes. It's not something that, you know, you have to know loads about to understand or whatever it is. Um, yeah, and that for me, humor is kind of the most important thing in art, I think. It's the thing that just, why would you not want it? And if you take someone who doesn't know anything about art to a gallery, they will always go and look at the funny thing. Yeah, they will yeah. always want to see that, you know? And that is the way, like, you know, if you took, if you did a big prison trip of all the guys that you were in jail with and took them to a gallery, 100%, they would like anything that was funny, yeah. you know? Or at least, even if they didn't like the way it looked, they'd be like, yeah, but I get it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm glad it's here because it's made my well, day that's like uh, that's one of the reasons why the graffiti artists and street artists have, mm -hmm. sort of, have had such a boom. Because yeah. they just sort of like take everyday symbols, turn them in quite politically, yeah. and and that, that again, you know, I know, I know you're quite political. That humour is a good way to introduce um, political subjects yeah, to people is, yeah. who aren't, aren't necessarily into them. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. And it's also yeah, it's just a really good way to, um, you know, kind of unpick the yeah unpick the sort of difficulty and the language around politics and the language around art and just make it something that isn't scary anymore just Definitely. make it something that's yeah accessible um I, I think it's incredibly important and I think you know it, all the best people are funny aren't they like yeah, the people yeah. that are, are good at dealing with life as well I think like not even just artists or however you're being creative but the people who are kind of the most stable and enjoy their lives the most laugh a lot you yeah. know and and are able to see the funny in other people and able to see the funny in themselves um so it's like humor I just think is the most powerful um version of art regardless of whether that's image making or comedy yeah. or whatever, you know. well my half brother phoned me or he sent me a text yesterday um and his mum died yesterday, so yeah. but he sent me he sent me a text and he said like like my mum died, um, and and I phoned him up as soon as I saw it, which was a few hours later, mm. and um, fucking hell, Eliza, within about maybe twenty minutes after he's had his cry, we're laughing mm. like a couple of silly boys, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And it yeah. is because I mean you, you know yourself that that sort of emotional pain and humor there's there's just a little fucking line between the two totally, you know? totally. absolutely and it really like 
honestly, I mean, this is maybe a bit intense, but when me and my brother went to see, my mum had died like in the really early hours in the morning, we went out the hospital when she actually died. But obviously first thing in the morning, you know, we got a call from the hospital, went in to see her body. And it's like, you know, my brother's younger than me, like, and we're both just so completely stunned. It's like the weirdest thing. Neither of us have ever seen a dead body. Like it was mad, you know, walking in and being like, what the fuck are we doing and blah, blah, blah. And so we're like standing there and just like, you know, looking at my mum. And then there's a knock on the door because it was like a little private room. And it's um, the like nurse with the trolley and she's like, what do you want for lunch today, dear? <laughs> and me and my brother just were like, uh, dead. And then we just both started cracking up because we were like, this is the most ridiculous yeah. situation. Do you know what I mean? But in a way, it was the the way, the, the thing that enabled us to like connect to each other and kind of be in the room together, yeah. you know, and like really be like, have a yeah have something to say to each other have something to connect on so i mean even in the darkest time yeah, like human exactly. could be the thing that brings you back to earth and yeah connects you to people well the thing the thing is we're talking about this situation there and it being mm. funny for you and your brother mm. That, that lady could be telling exactly the same story with a completely yeah. opposite she's like fucking sure. i walked into this grieving family and i've asked what she yeah. wants do you know what I mean? It's, it's mad, isn't it? That, <laughs> yeah, that, that she could be having yeah. the same conversation, but but it being the most embarrassing moment of her life, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think she heard us laugh, so hopefully she was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, in a way, yeah, she was the person who gave us something to... She, she was... It was good, you know? I'm glad yeah. she came in and asked yeah. her what she wanted for life. A proper <laughs> icebreaker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you do to relax it? Um, what do I do to relax? I run. I love to run. I really love to, like, jog. It's something that I've been doing for a few years, and it, it if, I'm, if I go for a run every day, everything in my life gets a little bit easier. I've, I'm a little bit less stressed. I find it easier to work. I find it easier to sleep because I'm quite an insomniac. Um, but yeah, running is, I find it very relaxing, um, and watch films. I watch a lot of films. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm a real film buff. If I was, I'm, I'm actually considering going to do a film masters in a couple of years just to kind of, yeah, it's something I really love. And yeah. Where will you go for your masters if you decide to do one, do you think? Well, I live about five minutes away from Goldsmiths, so... That'll be the obvious choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely somewhere in London, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I mean, Goldsmiths would be great. I don't really, I haven't really done much research into it. It's something I've only started like thinking about in the past couple of months. But it's just, I've always been really drawn to film. And I made, I mean, my whole degree, I just made loads of films and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So um, yeah, I love painting, but I don't feel, when I talk to my friends who are painters and they really are proper painters, the way they talk about painting, I'm like, I don't feel like that about painting, yeah. you know? Yeah. I really don't. I love it and I enjoy it and I feel, you know, it's fun and it's easy for me, but I don't feel that, like, passion in the same yeah. way most of the time, um, whereas I do with film. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm so you're still making the same work that you made a few years ago. I mean, mm. the same mm. process. It's yeah. just the perception of others that puts you in these different categories, isn't it, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, I only ask that question because you've mentioned the business of it a couple of times. Mm. And you've mentioned the craft of it. And, and you've also mentioned um, yeah. the, the, um, the aesthetics of, of your work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you can wear all three of those hats. Yeah, um, yeah. But some people just prefer one, one to the other. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that I, I kind of have to wear all three of those hats because I'm not quite sure where I situate myself. But you know, I don't make, I sell everything I make. I don't make anything that I keep. You know, um, so you know, people are like, oh, can I come and have a studio visit? And I'm like, you can, but it's just it's a desk. There. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> there. Boxes of a feed of plates in the corner. Crack <laughs> on with them if you want. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. I suppose like, I feel like you know I'm still working it out, and I, in a way, 
not kind of committing myself to any of those boxes yeah. makes me feel like you know yeah just it's nice to be a bit it's free a bit freedom, yeah. of course yeah. yeah is there a is there a plate of your mum's that you'd like to paint on oh um i don't i don't know i don't think so actually i think i've got I didn't take that much crockery from my mum's house. I don't have that much, but I would like to paint. I would like to paint more stuff for my mum. You know, nice. I never really painted a plate of my mum. Somehow, I don't know how I missed that one, but yeah, I think that like bit by bit. Well, I just think that my mum will be in all my artwork, and I'd like to just carry that exactly. on. Yeah. If there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Hmm. Matisse, obviously. Um, who else do I love? I love Alex Katz. You know Alex Katz? Oh, of course. I absolutely love Alex Katz. There's something about his paintings that I feel really... They're just, they just are what they are, you know, and he talks about art Honest. so brilliantly. Yeah. yeah, and I find his paintings really easy to look at. They're so um, quick and free and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I oh, I love Lisa Bryce. You know Lisa Bryce? I, I, not the name. I may know the work if I see it. She had a show um, at the Tate Britain um, maybe like last year. She makes like, and then she had one, God, was it Stephen Friedman maybe? Um, she does a lot of like blue paintings. She made like these screens. They're all kind of um, women. Often they they're like in a state of kind of like half undress and they're like smoking. I mean, it's not that dissimilar from my work in content, um, but it's got, a, but they're just beautiful. I mean, absolutely beautiful. And they've just got such, yeah, power to them. Um, what, who else do I love? I love Martin Creed. Talking about funny artwork. He's good. Martin he? Creed. He fucking annoys me because I go to his shows and I say to myself, I'm not going to be sucked in. I'm not going to sort of fall for it because I don't know whether he's, he's taking the piss out of me as a viewer yeah. or welcoming, welcoming me as a viewer. And every time I go to one of his shows, I say, I'm not going to fall for this. And I walk out feeling as I've been abused just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but I absolutely love that. Yeah, there was a piece, I can't, you know, they're all called like piece number 200 and whatever, yeah, yeah, aren't yeah. they? But there was one um, in, it must have been that show at um, the Hayward, like a few years ago. I think it was at That's the one I'm talking about in particular. Yeah, and there was one that was like a piece of paper and you had to really lean in because it had like tiny, tiny writing and you'd like got to go really, really close and you're like this far away from the paper and then it just says, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> the, what, the thing that I love of his is similar to the other piece it's just a song called fuck off where it's just like fuck off fuck off fuck off the whole song it's really good to listen to when you're angry if it's so cathartic i find sarah lucas is someone that i possibly would have around my table as well or in the group show yeah. she is she's she is Brilliant. just beyond isn't she yeah. although actually maybe i swap her out for Gillian waring because Gillian waring is someone that i i just think she's so interesting yeah. and Talking about, I mean, I love films, but I often, I don't really often feel moved by artists' film work. It's quite, it's quite rare. I think it's quite hard to do well, but Gillian Waring is someone who, Christ, her film work is just amazing. Have, there's a film that she made called Two Into One. Have you ever seen that? It's quite old. I don't think so. It's wonderful. It's like um, she filmed a mother and her two sons and talking about each other. So the mother's talking about, you know, oh, my sons are so brilliant and blah, blah, blah. And the sons are being quite mean about their mum. They're being like, she's always late and, you know, she's not that pretty and like she could do more with her hair and stuff. They're young, you know, they're little yeah. kids. And then what she got them to do was, I think, was she recorded the audio and then got them to learn the audio and mouth it. So the mother was saying what the sons were oh, saying nice. with, in their voices and the sons were saying what the mother was saying. And it's this really eerie, funny, beautiful kind of family portrait, but it's quite edgy and yeah, it's, I love it. Do you know the work of John Smith? 
Yes, he was my, my lecturer at uni. Really? Oh, my God. Because I, so I saw his piece. It's called The Girl Chewing Bubblegum. Um, I saw it in Barcelona, and it's like just a film of... Uh, it's like black and white film just of a street. I don't know where it is. It must be somewhere in London. And um, it's, just, it's just, you know, people walking across and like a car driving by. But he does a voiceover on it where he pretends that like he's directing it. And it's so funny because he's like, OK, it's time for you to come out from the left. Yes. And, uh, and, and now he's whatever, you know, it's so, so Excellent. good. Um, it's, it's, it's so good. I love his work. Yeah. Well, if you wasn't an artist, Eliza, what would you like to be? Um, I actually have a pretty... I know, I know what that'll be, and I think it might be something later in my life I might do. I'd love to be a therapist. Oh, nice. In which, yeah. in which area? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know much. Well, I suppose, like, because um, it's quite confusing. I've looked into it before. There's a lot of different ways you can train to be a therapist. You can do, like, well, you can be a counsellor, and I think you can do, like, two-year training to be a counsellor, or then you can, like, and there's so many different kind of schools of psychology and um etc but I feel really attracted by the idea of um talking to people and you know learning about people's psychology I'm definitely a, like an advice giver to my friends and my family and it's the it's just something I love to do in my life to you know like really listen to people and there's this like intense focus that comes with when you're having like a really good conversation with someone about them and really like listening to what they're saying and trying to help them pick it apart that is just one of my favorite things to nice. do in life I love it I absolutely love it so I'm, I'm there yeah. with you on that um what have you got coming up Eliza I know there's not I know it's a bit hard in the in the moment we're living in yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm kind of on the brink of a bit of a, I don't know what's going to happen in my, you know, I'm, I'm on the brink of experimenting with all these different things and um, starting to do the ceramics. And so I'm kind of holding back a little bit on uh, planning any exhibitions or anything because I, I feel like I'm about to change what I'm making yeah. a little bit. Well, it's as if you're doing your foundation course after you've done your degree, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. While you're approaching yeah. your work, yeah, it's, yeah. I know it's a bit, um, a bit wild. But I'm really excited about that. But yeah, so to be honest, I'm kind of, I'm feeling like about this next year of my life that I'm, I'm gonna just like, yeah, try everything. Well, not try everything, but try a few different things yeah, yeah. and. Um, kind of see what sticks but um so yeah I've not got any I don't think any like exhibitions or anything planned at the minute yeah um I've got a residency next year which I'm really excited about oh, nice. I was meant to do it this year yeah it's in it's a Villa Lena it's in um Italy beautiful it's a, a hotel Kate Bryan put me forward to it my wow, nice. fairy godmother honestly she's oh, like fairy imagine. godmother to just all artists that she's met she's just like sorting things out for everyone left right and center i love her um but yeah so that's really exciting but i mean yeah i'm kind of i'm feeling like ready to well the world's upside down at the moment and who knows what's going to happen yeah yeah um, where can people see um your work and what's going on be it website and social media yeah, I think Instagram, really. Instagram's where I post most stuff. Um, and what is your your um, handle on social media for anyone that doesn't know? It's at Eliza Hopewell. Um, and then I've got a new one, which is me and Theo are kind of... I don't know where it's going to go, but I've, we're really planning on making... We've got a, a Instagram for our house, but it's kind of a, an art house account because we're just making everything in the house. You know, Theo's making all the furniture. I'm painting shit on the walls you know we're making tables and wardrobes and things together so and they can be massive I'm really excited about that actually I mean you know already working within a kind of domestic context with my artwork it feels such a like natural lead on from that um and yeah I think we will start doing kind of commission pieces for people's houses and I've already done like a couple of murals and Theo makes you know, wardrobes and bits for people. So that I'm really excited about. And that's at Artist's House Broccoli, as in the vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, Eliza, that's all my questions asked. 
Oh, it's been, so it's been, it's been absolutely lovely. I've had a, a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for your time. I really Thank do appreciate you, honestly, it. Thank you, honestly, yeah. I loved getting, getting to know you. And stay away yeah. from them fucking ladders, man. You'll kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. Lovely luck. to meet you. And you. Bye. Bye-bye. There you go. Eliza Hopewell. That's a conversation I've been looking forward to having for a very long time. I mean, it's always a bit unnerving when I speak to an artist that I've got no relationship with, you know, that I've never met before. But I should have learnt my lesson by now. That all the time you're having an honest and open conversation about art with a fellow artist, conversation's never going to run dry. When I'm editing these podcasts, I generally cut out the private conversation I have with the artist before we start the actual podcast itself. But I'm listening to the start of this recording when Eliza and I were talking about the passing of loved ones from cancer. I thought it was something really quite beautiful, you know. And I hoped Eliza would agree to letting me keep it in. So if it did cross your mind, I did contact Eliza and ask and yeah, she kindly agreed. Which is why it's there. And if you don't mind me getting all serious for a minute. After living in these precarious times since March when our immediate future is jumping from one lockdown to another. It is putting quite a lot of strain on a large amount of people. But if that strain is affecting you, and even sort of getting the better of you, there's loads of people out there you can contact, you know. I hope this don't come across patronising because it's really not meant to be. But sometimes even talking to a stranger can help, you know. And Nick Hogbin, the loveless artist who featured on episode number 69, He's an ambassador for a, an organisation for people who have got to that exact point. They're called My Black Dog. And if you don't feel like speaking verbally to someone, My Black Dog allows you to do it in text or email form. But honestly, just getting the words that are bouncing about inside your mind into text form really is quite a release. Just a little something to take note of and, well, bear in mind, really. Well... That was a tad more serious than the the average end of a podcast, wasn't it? But, you know, we've all been there. And in retrospect, we all know that we're uh, best off talking to someone. But again, thank you to Eliza for allowing me to um, use that part of our conversation. So I'll leave it there. Like I say every week, on whichever platform you listen to this podcast, you should be able to leave a comment. And if you could, that really would help us get noticed and anybody else looking for an art podcast. So, thanks for listening. And until next week, ta-da. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.